And I'll add to Bonnie's wow. We have a very talented church. Thank you so very much for sharing today. Things you do in a pandemic. How many of you have seen the movie Castaway? Back here a few months ago with um, everything kind of shut down, tired of watching press conferences and uh, the news, I happened along that movie that I hadn't seen in a number of years, Castaway. And it's a story about a man who survives a plane crash out over the ocean and somehow finds himself washed up on shore of a deserted island. And he spends years there, not only trying to survive physically, but trying to cope mentally and emotionally as he's totally separated from the outside world. And I'm thinking, is this going on here in this pandemic? Well, I'm thinking this is kind of like being isolated, isn't it, out on an island. You can't do what you have been accustomed to. You can't really get out and see people. You're almost like washed up on the shore of your own home and kind of exiled, if you will. Well, I gotta tell you, in a very real sense, that's exactly what we are when it comes to our spiritual life. We have been banned, we have washed up on the shore of Sin Island, or Temptation Island, or Rebellion Island, whatever you want to call it. We're born as castaways, and we've crashed on this place called planet Earth, and of course the Christian worldview is that we're all shipwrecked. And even though, as my grandmother would say, God didn't make no junk, and we have been fashioned by God of all things. We still, because of the infiltration of sin, the moral image of God and mankind has been shattered and we are in need today of a savior. And I think in large part, we are guilty today of passing out the vaccines and the immunization, AKA telling people God loves them, but at the same time, not really making it clear to people what the great need is, the dire circumstances are that we are sinners and stand in need of the grace of God. We have been tarnished and because of our moral crimes, we are separated from God. And this is a great chasm, and the only way across is to have the bridge of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible says your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. And people are all alone on this island, and our problem is that we need more than just rescue. If you notice in that movie, well, Tom Hanks, the character, he was rescued, but time had moved on. His significant other had already gotten remarried. There were other kids, all the relationships. He needed full reconciliation. And we don't only need rescue, but we need complete reconciliation so that we can have relationship with God. And this is made possible to us through Easter, through the crucifixion, through Jesus dying for our sins, 
So we're in a series right now that we're calling it Making Jesus Known. And we're trying to reach people, folks, on the deserted island. We're letting people know out here on the highways and byways of life that there's a better way. Some don't realize what the problem is. Some people think they're all set. I've got books on the shelf that talk about here in the 21st century. How can you share with people the gospel, people who already have everything? How can you make that known to people where it appears in this marketplace of ideas that they're all set? Most people have it all together. It appears uh, they've got their palm tree, they've got their earbuds, they've got their cooler and their hat and sunglasses, and they're all ready to go. But they don't realize on this island there's this great need to have a relationship with God. And it's up to you and I in this time and space that God has somehow in his infinite wisdom seen fit that we are to live to let other people know about their need for Jesus. They're in great danger of missing out and somehow that message has been lost on Myers Hill of the 21st century. And the real need that you need your sins forgiven. So we're emphasizing this in this series how critical it is to witness to those around us and I really want to challenge all of you today who call yourself a born-again Christian and you have truly accepted Christ as your Savior because you have a duty and a responsibility, really an obligation to reach out to those people in your world and share the gospel with them. It's going to be a moment of accountability when the Lord asks, what have you done with the gospel? Have you been faithful in sharing it with other people? And so we're focusing here on this request that Jesus gave us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 to be witnesses in the world, in Judea and Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the world, or we could say in Westchester, in Liberty Township, in Mason, and in the outer parts of here in Butler and Warren counties. And it's critical that we do this. And I know it's a great challenge today in this culture that we are engaging now, which is so secular and so anti-Christ. And even on all of that, pollsters report that 72% of Americans don't know their neighbor. I mean, stop and think about where we are in this world and how we're connected on the one hand and yet so disconnected on the other. Now, suppose a great doctor, the scientist, like they've done with this uh, vaccine, suppose the doctor goes and finds in the laboratory an incredible cure for cancer. And once that cure is found, it's there. But before it can be available to everyone, it must be taken out to the world. And doctors and nurses have to be trained on, on what's needed to administer this new cure for cancer. And the cure is there, but one person can't take it all by themselves, all out into the world, some 7 billion people these days, and a team must be the agents whereby it arrives to all those who suffer. And that's precisely what we as the church is all about. We're part of the delivery system. It's in Christ that all people can be reconciled to God. It's the Holy Spirit that does the saving, but before that can happen, they must hear about Christ. And we must be used of the Lord to reach out as a witness to those around us. Jesus, the head, and the church is the body, and the head must have a body through which it can work. 
And the church is quite literally the hands and feet of Christ. And changed life causes us to really look around and ask, what happened? What is different about this person? How has God used that person in such a way? And we respond by sharing our story of transformation. Now, the text that Bonnie has shared with us today, and I want you to peek at for just a moment and think about, is the writing here of Apostle Paul. He's given this wonderful instruction here in the book of Colossians. And in chapter 3 down in verse 17, this verse pops out for us to understand and reflect on a moment. And it says, whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Do you realize you are a representative of the Lord Jesus? You are, as he says in other places in the, the New Testament, you are an ambassador. You are a witness, a representative in your life, in your circumference, in your area, whether at work or family or school or in your neighborhoods, God has placed you there so you can represent him, so that you can be a witness and be that ambassador. Now, it takes on a new meaning in life when you realize suddenly you're a missionary. And we're not talking about going to the Congo or the Amazon somewhere, but you're a missionary. Paul says that you represent Christ in two ways. And one is, whatever you do, and two, whatever you say. And often the question comes, well, pastor, which is it? Which comes first, the saying or the doing? And I think it's obvious it is the doing, the being, the transformation that you need in your own life that is so critical. The story is out of the 12th century, the uh, Italian friar, St. Francis of Assisi's, well, he talked to one of the younger monks that day in the monastery and said, hey, I want to go down into the village and witness. Will you go with me? And he said, sure. And away they went, and they were there all afternoon, all into the evening, walking up and down the alleys, up and down the streets, around the corners, into the suburbs, witnessing. And they were on their way back, and the young monk said, well, you never said a word to anybody. And, of course, St. Francis said those classic words, we sure did. We were preaching while we were walking. And we were seen by many, and our behavior was closely watched. And it is of no use to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere as we walk. You've got to walk the walk before you can talk the talk. And ultimately, your witness must both be audio and visual. We need sound text if you know what I'm talking about. You need audio and visual Christians, those who show and tell, those who are visual in their demonstration of walking after Christ, but also those are verbal in their witness. And you need both. One way without the other is not enough. And you say, well, my witness is my life. That's my witness. But, you know, a lot of people could mistake that, and they could say, well, that person's just a Boy Scout. They're living a nice little life, and they seem to be moral. But you've got to tell people how Christ has changed your life. One day, God is going to be asking you, who did you tell? You said there at Faith Community that this was a wonderful message of good news. Who did you tell? Did you ever think of sharing that 
message with anybody and you might respond, well, I didn't think anybody was interested. Everybody seemed to be all set in my day. All the different worldviews were swirling about and I just kind of thought this was a clever thing and I didn't say anything. And he'll say, you got to be kidding. I've sent my only son to die for the sins of the world and you never said a peep. So I want to give you three quick things about witnessing. Three important specific ways, in fact, that you can be a witness in this world. Just real quick. One is this, by your performance. You witness by your performance, by the quality of your work. Shoddy workmanship is a poor testimony. And I don't care today if you're picking up trash or the tax, uh, taxi driver or the repair person or a sales guy or you design cars or do interior work or whether you're helping over in the food pantry or at Matthew 25 Ministries. Christians are called to competence and quality performance. There's a lot of complaining, is there not today, about finding good help? There's a lot of times you can't seem to find good quality out in the workplace, whether it's at the fast food restaurant or whether it's in your clothing. In fact, I read recently, uh, you know, a well-known garment company in America had to recall something like 16,000 pieces of clothing because of poor workmanship. And, you know, Christians ought to be writing the books on excellence. We ought to be setting the standards. And we ought to say, if that's done by a Christian, it's quality work. It's quality craftsmanship. If your work is a witness, you don't cut corners and you don't just try to, to get by and half do something. Paul teaches this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The quality of each man's work will be seen when the day of Christ exposes it. It's going to be exposed one of these days, so you might as well just do it right now. And I want to say that even a boring job becomes meaningful when you focus on quality. So it's important that we in our work and in our world do a quality job because we are representing Christ. Secondly, I would say to you, your attitude is so important. It's so important to have a positive attitude. And I know that's a challenge today, but the Bible says, do all that, uh, do all that has to be done without complaining or without arguing, and you will shine in the world like bright stars as you offer it the word of life. He says one of the ways you stand out in a negative world is to have a positive attitude. You know, when you find a positive person in a negative work environment, it really makes all the difference in the world. And you've probably been there when you're surrounded by all these negative Nellies. Everybody's always complaining. People are always arguing. There's always a bunch of sour people out in the workforce, but then you're there to be that positive person. And you're saying, Tim, it is really difficult to be positive in that kind of negative work environment where everybody there is not Christian. Everybody there is telling dirty jokes. Everybody there is believing anything, doing anything. And yes, it is. And in fact, I've heard people say, oh, I wish I could just be surrounded by Christians all the time. I wish I could just work in the church like you, where there's all these good people. But I'm thinking God is up there saying, no, you missed the point if that's all you're doing because you need to surround yourself with people who are unbelievers so you can share the gospel. It's part of our gig as disciples to get out in the world, to get out of the salt shaker, if you will, and into the world and shine as a light. I don't want to, uh, you know, 
really have people just coming here and hanging out like this is a, a holy huddle or a great Christian ghetto, which we all kind of hang out on the weekend. But our job is to be witnesses, to be light, to be salt, and to leave this building and be in the world where we're sharing the gospel of hope. And then a third thing, just quickly, I want to say to you, it's by proclamation. Not only is it by your attitude and by your performance that people are going to know that there's something different about you, but it's, it's really, friends, it's going to be proclamation as well. Colossians 4 says it like this, Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. Be wise in all your contacts with them. You know, you and I need to make the most of every opportunity. We need to be ready at all times to share the good news with other people. And sometimes we just get busy and we fail to remember that, but it's your responsibility as a disciple of Christ to be witnessing to those around you. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15 to give reasons, to be ready, be prepared to give reasons for the hope that lies within. And your job is to be a witness. My job is to help equip the church, to help people be equipped to be armed, to be able to go out and fulfill our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, Paul says the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. Do you know how to get rid of fear of being able to confront someone with the gospel and talk to other people about Jesus? Do you know how to get rid of that fear? It's by loving them. There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. And when you love somebody, you care enough to tell them, to be that verbal witness in those right moments to share the gospel. And that's why random acts of kindness in our day and age are so helpful. You never know the link in the chain it's going to be for you and that person for them giving their life to Christ. I had people after the service come up and tell me that very same thing, and that a, a random act of kindness was so pivotal in their life. So we've been developing challenges that we can extend to you in this period to get you jump-started, to get you focused on being a witness. And one of the challenges that we have here today is for you to take one of the hope rocks that we have available and to put it out there in a public place. And if you're ready to go to step two, to offer it to someone at work, in your neighborhood, in your family, at the grocery store, and to say, here is a rock, a reminder that God loves you. And on this rock I stand, and Jesus has changed my life, and he can change yours too. And another opportunity, as Bonnie mentioned, here coming up this week, we have an opportunity where you can take a backpack. We're going to gather at the church. We're going to be praying for people, praying for these backpacks. And we're going to leave the building and go out into these areas where people are actually living on the street and offer them hope and encourage them and encounter them with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Truly today, I want to challenge you to be the church, to be a witness in this world, and to help shine for Jesus. Will you pause with me in a moment of prayer? Almighty God, we thank you today that we can serve in this great privilege of being a witness. 
We ask God that you would just go ahead of us in all of these opportunities that are before us this month. And Lord, help us to plant the seeds. And Lord, may we be used by you in a real way to reach those who are banned and exiled and separated from you. May we be tools in your hand. And Lord, from these rocks that we share and the backpacks that we take and offer, may also our words, may our lives stand as a witness and may our invitations be heard that people might come to know you as Lord and Savior. For we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, it is wonderful that we can gather here at the Lord's table today and that we can share in this moment of communing with our Lord. Uh, again, we do have these communion kits that are available. If you haven't received one yet, our ushers have them in the lobby. I would invite you to get up now and to grab one of these. And uh, we will share these uh, precious moments in just uh, a few minutes. I do want to remind you today that you don't have to be an official member of the faith community, United Methodist Church, but that you earnestly desire to lead that life with Christ. You come in re really sincerity and repentance before the Lord today. And so as we prepare for this moment, let us join in a time of prayer and let us first join in that moment of confession as we confess our sins unto the Lord. And then we will share a moment in the prayer of great thanksgiving. So let us pray. Oh Lord, as we come before your table today, we know that we are guilty. We know that we have failed you. And Lord, we need you today. We need forgiveness. And so we pause before you today. And each of us, we lift up our hearts and lives to you and ask for forgiveness. We confess our sin unto you today. Hear our prayers. Lord, we thank you for forgiveness, for your love for us, why you came and died for us. And Lord, for this meal that we're about to partake, we give you thanks, O oh God, for those moments where you took the bread and gave it to the disciples and said, this is my body given for you. And likewise, you took the cup and offered it and said, this is my blood shed for remission of sin. As often as you gather together, do this in, in remembrance of me. Lord, may your Holy Spirit be poured forth upon this band of believers here today. May you anoint every heart as we come forward to eat and sip from this cup. May your Spirit, Lord, be poured forth upon this bread and cup that it truly might be for us your body and blood. Make us one with each other. 
Make us unified around the gospel message and may we go forth from here a witnessing people. We join in that prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The body of Christ given for you. Likewise, the cup of salvation, the shed blood of the Lord, offered for you. I invite you to take your communion kit, and on the first layer you should find a wafer. And let us remember what Jesus has said, what he has done. Take and eat in remembrance of our Lord. Carefully take the rest of the layer you can peel back and find the juice. The Lord that evening took the chalice. He said, drink and remember. Remember what I've done for you. Thanks be to God. We close our service together. Let me invite you to stand and we'll sing Sent Forth by God's Blessing 664.
Well, let us receive the benediction and the blessing today as we go forth. Almighty God, may your peace and mercy reside on the hearts of your people. And may we go into this world witnessing for you, standing, Lord, as a light bright, without complaining and arguing, but being a positive person who lives a life, Lord, of quality work, telling others about your love. Use us, we pray, in your kingdom and for your glory, for it's in your name we ask. Amen.